Brothers and sisters, happy Sunday. Let's pray. Holy God who leads us into light, descend like a dove and be present with us. Offer us a word. Amen. When I was a little boy, I dutifully followed my older brother everywhere he went. I shouldn't have done that, but I did because that's what little boys do when they have older brothers. Now I remember a time when we were crossing a, a cow field and uh, there were you know, the remnants of cows' meals around us, a lot of cow patties, and we were kind of hopscotching around trying to get to the woods on the other side without stepping in the cow patties. And I heard my brother's voice and said behind me, Nate, come over here, you're not gonna believe this. And I turned around and I looked and I saw my brother and he'd taken it, he had his hat off and he was holding it on the ground. And he said, I caught a bird under my hat. I said, you caught a bird? He said, yeah, but I'm gonna try to, I want you to catch it. So I'm gonna lift up my hat and as soon as I do, I want you to grab that bird. I said, you got it, I'm ready. He said, you ready? I said, I'm ready. So okay, I'm gonna count to three, I'm gonna lift up my hat. Count on three, one, two, three, and I jumped, I grabbed that bird. <laughs> Beloveds, there was no bird under that hat. <laughs> Just more cow patties. <laughs> My brother did a lot of stuff like that. And he never knew I grew up to be a preacher. <laughs> and that they didn't want you to tell your stories, they shouldn't have treated you the way they did. That's the preacher's oath. But you get tricked sometimes. People will trick you especially under capitalism. We get tricked a lot under capitalism. They say a fool and his money are soon parted. Why? Why's it gotta be that way? It's such a cruel way to be in the world. Every day we hear stories about people being tricked. This latest story of this fella in the Bahamas and this FTX banking scandal and the conspiracies to take money from very poor people by tricking them into believing that they're gonna get something for nothing. Or that they'll take their money and grow it a hundredfold. It's all just gambling. Well, I'm gonna put that guy in jail, I suppose. But the people who lost that money, they're not gonna be made whole anytime soon. Well, I think that the gospel lesson today deals with this pretty plainly. There's a lot of confusion around this man who's been healed. And the Pharisees want to not believe. They want to find a loophole, some kind of legal way to get out of this. So they begin with that old saying about the Sabbath. Jesus gets accused of doing works on the Sabbath all the time, even though the things he's doing are plainly good, plainly holy, plainly in keeping with the Torah commandments. And Jesus says to them over and over again, watch out for the darkness. Live into the light. Let light shine. Paul says in Ephesians today, light, let light shine. Things that are done in darkness will be brought to light. Another way I've heard this put quite cleverly is that every lie has an expiration date. And the enemy, the devil, powers and principalities. They want things done in darkness. 
In our church, in our tradition, we have a heritage and a history of speaking plainly and telling the truth. For hundreds of years, churches like ours have kept their uh, budgets public. You can go downstairs today, and if you look on the bulletin board, you can see our church's line item budget. You can find out how much money we spend on staples and office supplies. You can find out how much money the pastor gets paid. And that's some sort of capitalist heresy. But why? Why should it be? Why should I have any shame at all about whatever money I may get? Any pastor who wants to keep their salary private, I don't know if I would trust that guy very much. You shouldn't be ashamed of that. When people work, they're often told not to discuss their salary with their other coworkers. Well, it's nonsense. It's absolute gobbledygook. Why should they be ashamed to say how much they're paid? You refuse to talk about how much money you make. It only benefits the people who are paying you. So I think that transparency is the best policy. Paul and Jesus both want us to speak plainly, tell the truth. The man who was blind and then sees, he simply tells the truth. He tells them what happened. He doesn't make conjectures. He doesn't add to the story. He simply tells the truth. They don't like his truth, so they go and they horn his parents into the conversation. See if they can catch him in a lie. The man finally breaks down and he says, I'm done. I've told you what happened. It's on you. Believe it or don't believe it. Leave me out of it. The man goes, Jesus finds him and says, well, what do you think happened? And the man just simply tells him the truth. <laughs> First church I ever served, I wasn't even sure I wanted to be a pastor. They were a small church and they'd been put through hell by someone in their church who had operated deceptively and because of their deceptions, they had injured the church. I was just delighted that there was a church somewhere in God's creation that wanted to hear me preach a sermon. I was 23 years old, 24 years old. I shined up my shoes, I put on my suit, and I went and I was going to meet with that church council. And they were meeting in the basement of the church. And I remembered it was an evening meeting and it was very dark. And I went into the church basement, it was dark in the church basement. And there was a light way down in some room down the hall. And I started to make my way down the hallway, excited to finally talk to a church council for the first time. And there was a, a, a guy sitting uh, in a chair near, near the door. I had never seen him. I didn't see him. It was dark in there. And he said, are you the kid they're going to get to preach the sermons? And I said, I don't know, maybe. I was terrified. There he was, sitting in the dark. A leprechaun or something. <laughs> Fixed me with his eyes. He said, boy, there's a demon in this church. I remember my first thought was, well, how would you know? It's so dark in here, I can't see where I'm going. They would turn some lights on. Well, I did work with that church, and they were marvelous people. They were a gem of a church. They just needed to turn the lights on. That's what they needed. They needed to sweep the dust out of the corners. The devil loves dark places and secrets and things like that. Sows them into society all over the place. Another older gentleman who I knew in seminary was fond of giving me what he called heuristics. Heuristics are little tricks that we can use to try to understand the truth of a situation when somebody appears to be attempting to deceive us. And he was worried about me because, he, in his words, I was a credulous young man. Credulous is another word for somebody who seems to believe things. I 
didn't walk around with the expectation that people were going to trick me. It seemed like a pretty miserly way to get through life. And so he offered me a heuristic, a trick. Now this is something that isn't true in all cases, but it's true most of the time. Enough to be useful. He said I was, I was the sort of young person who might get involved in a cult. There are still cults out there operating in our world. They trick people and they take their money and they screw up their lives and their bad business. He said, I'm going to teach you the difference between a cult and a religion. He said, because you can have good religion or bad religion, but as for cults, they're pretty bad. He said, um, in a religion, whatever it is, Christianity, Buddhism, Islam, a religion seeks to tell everything it knows to the world around it. It seeks to empty itself of its information. Sometimes annoyingly so. That guy on the street corner, shouting about the end of the world, preaching out of the Bible. Sometimes he's using a megahorn, megaphone. They, they buy billboards and they put everything they believe on the billboard. Some of them buy whole television stations. and 24-7, they're telling you what they think all the time, all the time. And in a good religion, they'll tell you the things that they don't know. They're fond of sharing the mysteries, the things that confuse them. If you ask me about Christianity, I hope that you've set aside a few hours. I'm going to talk until I've talked myself out. That's religion. It seeks to share everything it knows with everyone it meets. A cult, on the other hand, is the opposite. They're always holding information back. They're keeping secrets. There's always a next level of knowledge for the initiated. And if you want to get to that next level of information, a lot of times you've got to pay a little money or trade favors or do something like that. So they keep secrets. And I found that to be a pretty helpful way to distinguish between good religions and bad cults. But at its heart is transparency, transparency. Transparency is really hard, especially when being honest costs us something. I've sat in my office and I've taken confession from people who've committed crimes. In the full knowledge that under the Michigan Constitution, I am very privileged. I can't be subpoenaed for things that are shared to me in confession. I'm the only person, oftentimes, who can go to the jail and sit with somebody in a jail cell without a guard watching. Lawyers can't even do that in most cases. But because of that, I've been put into situations where I've had to ask people to be honest about something that they did. And that honesty is going to really screw up their life. I'm thinking about a situation. I served at church. A young man came and he sat across from me and he told me that two nights prior he'd been driving late at night he turned a corner and he hit somebody with his car and he was so afraid that he got back in his car and he drove home um, it was a small town we knew that the man was in the hospital he didn't die thank god but he'd been pretty terribly injured. It was a hit-and-run accident. And here I was, sitting across from the young man who'd done that. 
We read the story of the Good Samaritan together. We read the Psalms. We spent a couple hours in my office talking and praying, thinking our way through the situation. And after I took his confession, I drove with him to the police station and I held his hand when we walked in and when he told the sergeant behind the desk what had happened. That kind of honesty and transparency is hard. He sat in jail for six months because of what he'd done. His life was really screwed up. He could have gotten away with it. He could have simply said, well, it's not breaking the rules if the refs don't call it. But he knew what Jesus wanted from him, which was the truth. He did his best to make the man he'd injured whole again and to serve his time. When he was let out of jail, he came back to church. We loved on him. We took care of him. He'd done what needed to do. he needed to do. That's transparency. It takes seeing the person, seeing the person. It's very hard to do. Jesus is getting ready to reveal the truth about the greatest lie that has ever been told. That lie is simply this, that death wins. It's a very convincing lie. We see it all around us. Every time we drive past a cemetery, it's very tempting to think death wins. We look at the cosmic scale of the universe. We imagine the heat death of stars. We imagine the final decay of all matter and creation. We imagine a great empty void that lasts forever. And death says, see, I win. I will always win. Jesus is going to do something to shine light on that lie. He is going to show us that death doesn't win. And that's the simplest truth that I know. And beginning from that truth come all other truths. Truths like when the powers and principalities, when the evil forces of the world, when our addictions and diseases come to us and say, I am going to kill you. And that's going to be the end of you. And I'll win. Jesus is going to show us that that emperor is wearing no clothes. And we'll be able to respond, I think you're lying. I know the truth. The truth is that death doesn't win. That infuriates the evil forces of the world because that was their trump card. That was the biggest gambit that they had to hold over us. Obey me or I'll kill you. And when you say to them, "Ah, I don't buy it, or "Ah, that doesn't bother me over much, Jesus told me and then showed me that I don't have anything to fear from death. They've got nothing left to hold over you. Or as my dad said, when I turned into a 
belligerent, churlish, reprobate teenager. The problem with Nate is that he's figured out that they can't take his birthday away. <laughs> we want to be careful with this truth. It is true. And you don't have anything to fear from death. The powers and the forces of this world are charlatans. Jesus reveals all of this in one glorious moment on a very still morning on a Sunday in a garden with one of his dearest friends when he reveals that the whole universe actually ends not with death but with life and that that life is eternal. That's the light. That's the light that shines into the darkness of death. That's what all of this is pointing toward, from baptism to communion. It is all pointing toward the reality that there is going to be life and that life wins, not death. Now, as for the specifics of this, as for what it means, all this business about pie in the sky when you die in heaven and hell and all of this stuff, that's angels on the head of a pin stuff. You can leave that to others to argue about and fritter over and debate. The simple truth is best. Death loses. Life wins. That's the story of our faith. And it's deeply revolutionary stuff. It is very countercultural, very countercultural. But it's our job to simply believe that and set our hand to the plow and do the good and honest work of being faithful disciples. That's the best thing I know. And that's all I want for those I love, is to tell that truth. Tell that truth until the next person believes it and then shares that with someone else that they love. Kinfolk, you are deeply, deeply loved by God. Death doesn't win. Life wins. That's good enough, I think, to get through life's little day. Amen? Amen.